You are listening to the Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship Midweek Podcast, which will be discussing last Sunday's sermon, The Testing in the Wilderness from Matthew 4. I'm Becky Watson, and I'm here with my pastor and dad, John Dubois. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? We uh, talked about the fact that uh, I kind of slowed it down a little bit, and we talked about each of the three temptations that Jesus faced. And I kind of... um, Oh, I, I realize that there's a lot of different ways that you can understand each of the temptations. And in most cases, I refer to them as examples of how Jesus did not use his own autonomy to decide what to do. He wasn't his own self-law. But in this particular study, in this approach, what I did is I, I, I focused on his um, being a human being facing a temptation for us. And what would it feel like for you and I if we were there? And realizing that the real battle is at the inside of our ideas, right? Not just uh, some external physical battle, but the idea of where we, what we believe at our core beliefs. And so I took the three temptations as raising these three very personal questions. And I think there's support for finding them in the uh, temptations of Jesus. The first one being the temptation to say that God does not love me. And the way I know he doesn't love me is because I'm suffering and he's not doing anything about it. So that was the temptation with the bread, turning the stones to the bread. The second temptation being that I need the approval of other people and I somehow need God to prove to other people that I'm good. And so that was the temptation that I think Satan was giving to Jesus to, to have him jump off the temple in front of all those people and see him float. And somehow prove to them that he was God's son, like God had promised. And then the third temptation was, I need to avoid uh, suffering in the future. I need to avoid the road of sacrifice, is what I called it. And I think I could find evidence from the rest of the temptations to Jesus and other occurrences in the gospel that what Satan wanted to offer Jesus was a way to get the kingdoms of the earth instead of Um, doing so through the path of the cross and his suffering for us. And so that was the three temptations that I saw. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my first discussion questions for us today is, in the introduction, I talked about three components that need to be understood to, first of all, set the table for understanding this. And the first one is that Satan is a person. And so that was important. It's not just a force. It's not inanimate. It's not just... Jesus thinking things on his own, but there was an enemy trying to cause him to think differently. The um, second idea was that um, the battle lines themselves are not external. Um, They're internal, deep in our innermost thoughts, what we believe at the core value. And then thirdly, finally, the, um, the fact that Jesus was facing these temptations as a human being. It was his human nature that was in particular being tempted. And uh, so he can relate to us. It qualifies him to be our high priest. Did you have any thoughts about those introductory thoughts? Any Anything that seemed to be um, important to you or understanding that? I had never thought about the fact that um, Jesus did not have memory of how did you say it before? Like he didn't have the yeah. the memory of being in heaven with God the Father. And so 
you know, I think in that kind of reveals that I, I must have a bias towards Jesus's deity and not mm. his humanity. Mm. Um, and I think more of him as like this ghostly figure too much and not too much of how human he was, that he was a child. And it's hard. I mean, maybe it's dangerous to speculate what that was like for him to come of age and and how did he think about it? Was it like, wow, what are the odds that I'm the God man? I mean, that's sort of what like right. the thought that comes to mind. But um, to not, it was never in danger. The spirit right. of God is powerful, and 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 it was His spirit, and hmm. and some, but somehow he understood that. But it is in some ways encouraging to know that Jesus did experience situations or uh, or a life circumstance in which he needed to trust the father mm-hmm. it's not like he he didn't he knew it all the future and he knew all the past and he didn't have any he actually had to try in that there was some sort of like intermittent de- in temptation that maybe you aren't god right. or something like right. that not that he was in danger of that but uh but Maybe sometimes we think you don't understand God how how hard it is to be human and to trust um, God. No, He does. He knows yeah, what that's exactly. like. Yeah, we have a tendency to, as human beings, to emphasize either His human nature at the deprecation of His divine nature, or vice versa. And either one of those extremes, you just are naming which heresy you want. They're both yeah. out of balance. But to but I think that in our um, our circles as evangelicals conservatives we tend to kind of emphasize the deity of Christ because it's so extraordinary and so important to his identity and most frequently in our circles seems to be the most opposed right it's a reaction to right. the most popular heresies around us yeah in the cults that I've been exposed to growing up and those things so but the humanity of Jesus is just as a critical factor and um, because he is qualified as our high priest, we know that he is able to sympathize and empathize with our specific kinds of temptation. And so it was sort of a, a shock to me as well to think, is it possible that this, when he came out of the water and God said, you're my son, I love you, you know, uh, you know whom I love and well pleased, is it possible that as a human being that he, he did enter time and space? It was the first time he heard that. And as a human being, I would be, now I have a sin nature, so it's hard to project onto Jesus because he didn't have a sin nature, but it would be very human to doubt that. Or at least it would be certainly human for Satan to try to get us to doubt that yeah. in the same way he tried to get Eve to doubt. Yeah. And so Jesus never doubted because he was successful, but that doesn't mean that the temptation wasn't exactly that. Right. God doesn't love you, Jesus, because if he did, you wouldn't be in this pickle. Right. You wouldn't be in this spot. And so I think that is helpful for us to understand that Jesus can at least articulate, I know what it's like to have somebody try to make me believe a lie. Right. And that's our experience, right? The enemy tries to make us believe a lie all the time. So, Well, good. Um, Was this also... um, the the concept of Satan as a person yeah um, um yeah. that is this that same yeah because I had a thought about that um one of the downfalls of like you said in our tradition 
um, in spe- especially speaking to children, we really downplay Satan. It's really, at least I'm uncomfortable with talking too much about Satan because yeah, I don't partly want... Partly because we don't want our children to be frightened or to misunderstand that there's this fork-tailed person with a right. red suit and all of the... Or to, like, shift blame, like, yeah. it's not my fault. Um, yeah. But one of the dangers of going too far that way is assuming that all our sin is um, selfish and self-centered and uh, self-aggrandizing in nature and not realizing and recognizing the lies that are self-destructive. So what I mean is, Mm -hmm. if sin all comes from me, when I say something like, I'm um, I'm ugly and no one likes me. When I think that thought, I think it must be true because if it were not true, I would make up a lie like I'm beautiful and everyone loves me. Hmm. But why would I make up a lie that would be destructive about myself? So it must be true. I mean, that's a I understand. Yeah, if we are the only sources of the evil we experience or are exposed to, then why would we ever hate ourselves? Right? Where does that come from? Right, and so that is a, a helpful insight is there are kinds of evil that are against us because they're against God. So satanic mm-hmm. ideas are hateful towards human beings and, and the image of God, right? He hates the image of God and he wants to destroy God's work. And so it is true that we can actually... Um, be selfish in our own rights because of our sin nature, but also be deceived in a way that would actually be self-destructive, exactly as you say, anti-selfish right. in a sense. Yeah, I think another thing, where another place where I have found it important to understand the personification—I don't mean personification in the literal, literary sense—in that it's not right. real, the but personal, like the personalness yeah. of evil is in ministry you will experience specific hardship, anxiety, depression, burnout. And if it's just me, I might think, if it's just me causing the evil, I'd be like, maybe God wants me to stop doing this because, mm-hmm. you know, but like, what if you recognize that Satan does not want you to continue the ministry? Yeah. I mean, you need to understand that there is an opposing... Yeah. Um, force or a person that really doesn't want you to share the gospel and that he really doesn't want you to um, pursue God. And so, you know, in that way you can be like, hey, thank you for reminding me why I'm doing this. And that it's, you know, you can be bold and courageous because, you know, the greater is he that is in me than he is he in the world. And it's not just sin stuff. I can think of two other places in the scripture that would reinforce our thinking on that. Um, first one would be that Jesus himself tells us to pray, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's wisdom in a daily prayer habit of recognizing that there is a person, a supernatural person trying to cause evil. And so that's, uh, and we can be delivered from that person. And then there's also, you know, <clears throat> um, Peter talks about uh, Satan being like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he can devour. <clears throat> and that's in the context of God gives grace to the humble. And so there's a, a pressure from the enemy to fight humility, to make us proud. 
and that's always dangerous. But the one that I'm um, most particular thinking of is in Paul's instruction to the church at Corinth in the middle of conflict and trying to, um, there's a, I think it's in the context of the one who had um, been trapped in a sin and the church exercised church discipline. Paul said to them that they needed to welcome him back and, and be um, forgiving, restorative to this person who had repented. And he says, because we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's wisdom in identifying the fact that even within the body life of the church, conflict can be propagated or extended because the enemy wants that to happen. And for us to just go by our natural perspectives and think, well, it's not normal that a person would act that way, so we don't have to worry about that, or whatever, you know, to attribute everything as being just sort of natural causes leaves out and mm-hmm. makes us underprepared for the fact yeah. that somebody's diabolically, um, even intentionally, maybe causing something to not hear something so that they would. Um, misunderstand yeah. to lead to confusion or or putting into the mind of a particularly weak person uh, mean words or, or you know um, what's the word I'm telling you it's not scandal but um, slander slanderous slander. words to hurt somebody and so the enemy is trying to stir us up he hates God's people he hates God's church he hates Jesus in everything that Jesus is doing. Yeah, instead of just writing someone <clears throat> off as they're a mean person, instead viewing them, A, with grace and recognizing that they they need to be forgiven as God has forgiven us, but also that perhaps they have been misled because of the enemies desiring for us to be in conflict. Yeah, we can even view another believer with compassion and pity in, in a good sense, knowing that they didn't mean to be used by the enemy that way right because we could we could also be used oh yeah that's part of the humility we need to exercise is we should we quick to confess that um the enemy used me to cause division here in a confessional way but also be careful to not blame him for everything sometimes i'm just prideful all by Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. and i can cause contention and so the danger is to make too big of a deal out of him or too little of a deal out of him but the account here in Matthew is certainly personal. It's a personal attack all the time yeah. for Jesus. Particularly so for Jesus, of course, because he doesn't have any other source of evil in his life. Sure. He doesn't have the sin nature like you and I have. And so he wouldn't have ever had temptation had it not come from outside of himself in the form of Satan. Huh. But, all right, so the first temptation, God doesn't love you. And the evidence is all around you. You're starving to death. What did you think about that? Is that um, does that ring true? Is that... I think one thing I thought of that was that um, that is definitely a temptation we encounter. But I think the clarity to say I believe God doesn't love me is actually um, a little a few steps towards defeating that lie hmm. because we we come up with some more like quote-unquote sophisticated ways to say that um like what, what foolish would be way so like, like um, i think i hear what you're saying that yeah we're not even that honest with ourselves yes yeah so the, how do we distort the distortion another way what, how, what um, other ways do we manifest that one i've just been thinking a lot lately about our self-image and thinking about saying you know I, I, I have a bad habit of 
denigrating my own body and my my appearance really drives my husband nuts right so I say you know like oh I hate this about myself what do I mean when I say that mm. what do I really mean if you bring it back mm. I I don't like there's a couple possibilities I don't like the way God made me it's a blaming him for something yeah or um I am ashamed of what I've done and I feel like I need to continue punishing myself because I ate too much and now I feel overweight. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm saying when I say that? Sometimes I'm saying it because I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for confirmation or affirmation from someone. So I want a compliment basically. I want to feel good about myself. So so, so each of those things can, you trace it back a couple more steps. You're like, Oh, I'm believing God doesn't love me right now the way I am, mm. that he really has forgiven me, that when he sees me, he sees Jesus, mm. and he loves Jesus, and he loves me, and I'm a co-heir with Christ, that I have purpose. You know, like, these are, you know, we right. think, and what happens is if we don't trace it back is we think that God doesn't care about that part of our lives. And we think, well, I know God loves me, but I hate me. You know, yeah. <laughs> and not realize that we are just, we just said non sequitur, you know? Yeah. I think we even, we compile on in a way that um, Jesus couldn't. And that is, we do know that we sin. And so what we do is we somehow elevate our own sinfulness as reasons to prove or as reasons why God doesn't love us. So we elevate our own sin above Jesus as having paid for it. Yeah. And so we aren't admitting to ourselves that we are clean before God. So we throw in another variable. See, I'm still dirty too. I'm sinful. I'm lack self-control or whatever mm-hmm. other way we want to do it. And Jesus wouldn't have had that dimension because he had never contributed to his own. Um, he didn't have anything to feel guilty for. Right. Right. But... Um, he also had to face some things that we don't, right? right? So, I mean, so his his temptation, he can empathize with the lie that we hear from Satan for sure. But we do, at Pilate, we think if God really loved us, it would be different. Mm-hmm. And what we're actually saying is Jesus' blood doesn't make a difference for me either. You know, so we not only question God's love by virtue of his promise, we we question the validity of Jesus's work. Yeah. Because what he would want to say back to us is, oh, really? You're so bad my blood didn't take care of that one? Mm-hmm. What are you saying about me? Right. Am I not perfect enough? One of the things that I, um, and, and on our Sunday night talk, but I think it's relevant here, and I didn't get there last night, but the um, the statement that I had first heard from Randy Pope about um, the summary of the gospel, we lost it all. Um, Jesus paid it all. We get it all. And in Randy's talk, he says, you know, I, I'd say that to a group of pastors and they'd all believe it. And, and I can hear Randy's southern accent say, I bet you don't. <laughs> I bet you don't believe right. it. And he That's told so us, true. <laughs> yeah, And he told a story. And he says what we really believe more often, even though we say the words theologically, yeah, yeah. what we act like what this enemy deceives us is that Jesus did a lot. Mm-hmm. He did a lot, 
but he didn't do it all. Right. And we get a lot, but we don't get it all. And that all goes all the way back to we lost a lot, but we didn't really lose it all. Right. Right. But see, unless we come to grips with the full total depravity of our lostness, that we're dead in our sins, there's no good in us whatsoever. Until we realize how much we lost, we can't realize how much he did. And so if we view Jesus as only having done a lot, then we don't live as if there's more right. than a lot. And so it's we wind up being just like any other works-based religion, is that Jesus yes. does the 99% of the bridge but I still have to add that little sliver right. on the end. And that's why. You still I, have to put in the work. Oh, yeah. I yeah. still have to do my part. So anyway, all of that mm-hmm. to say that those are all parts of that deception that um, Satan would have us believe that God doesn't love us all the way. That there's something he's holding back and he's got good reasons to do so. Yeah. Those are the lie. And, and it's hard. It's hard for us to overcome that. I told you this yesterday, but if... I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. When I see me, hmm. who do I see? Yeah. I see Jesus. Yeah. And when if you... you if when you, you you're, you're, you're claiming to have more knowledge about what's really true than he said, right? Yeah. We're not believing his words. Yeah. And, and in the same way... When you, when I look at you, my brother in mm. Christ, who do I see? Yeah. I see Jesus li- living in you, and therefore I can love you too. That's pretty cool. Um, the next temptation about wanting the approval of other people. Uh, we can just skip over that one because nobody, <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> no struggles with that. <laughs> you know, I really think that, I think we shortchange that. We really think, oh, that's something we, against the joke you just made. But mm-hmm. we really do do that. We think, oh, that's something teenagers need to learn about. Yeah. But when you're an adult, you don't care about that anymore. Right. And it's probably even worse when you're an adult, um, unless you, you know, unless you really, really deal with it, because that's a huge part of the hating yourself too. Yeah. You really want to be admired by other people. Yeah. And I think, like you said about the first temptation we probably would never admit or confess that we want the approval of other people. That's right. too obviously the right words right. to use. There's a more subtle version of it somehow. And the one that particularly struck me in this is that I want God to prove to them that I'm okay. That I'm- I know I'm okay. I believe I'm okay. But I want them to know it too. <laughs> and I want God to vindicate yeah. me. And wanting God's vindication... Like wanting to be proved right in the end that we were right about politics, for example. Yeah. You know, someday, somewhere, somebody's yeah. going to say that I understood something. And, and who knows if I'm right? That's not the question. The point is, I sort of long for vindication. Yes. I don't think that's wrong. I think it's good to trust. You know, the Bible says we don't need to take vengeance on anything. You know, trust God; He'll He'll repay. He'll do what's and right. And the he'll reason vindicate. that's wise is because we might be wrong, oh, and if yeah. we're praying for vindication, <laughs> yeah. it might come the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you ask for justice, be careful what you're asking. <laughs> what for. end of the justice you're on? Yeah. Because more often than not, we would get what we deserve instead of what we think we deserve. But it, but anyway, the point is the desire for vindication isn't wrong we just need to delay it and recognize that the judge of all and the we earth. should want god's vindication not exactly, our own exactly 
And Paul says, my conscience is clear, but even that doesn't make me innocent. I trust him who's going to judge me. And so Paul left it up to God to judge even himself, right? He was just going to operate in the moment at the right, with the right value system going. So, so I think, so there are subtle ways that, um, and one of them, like I said, I want other people's approval as I sort of want God to prove to them something. And that's just the same thing with a different rapper and a little more palatable. Yeah. Any right. other subtle ways that you've experienced that one? Uh, I find myself <clears throat> feeling a lot of, well, I find myself feeling angst and I'm like, what is this about? And I think, and Mom I think, and I, and call I think. It feeling cloudy. Uh, yeah. Something's, something's got you cloudy. What's making you And then you cloudy? I go around, go around, and it's just like one interaction or one one fear of being uh, fear of being misunderstood or really wanting someone to want, like me or approve of me, and I'm not sure they do, and feeling tempted to like figure out a way to get that approval and stuff. Yeah. And and I, I've the right path in those is to to let it go and mm-hmm. be like yeah. you know who what matters is what God thinks of me and I might you know what most likely did mess up I probably did sin yeah and I mean obviously you go and make right. it right if you've sinned against someone but I'm talking about more subtle things yeah I, and, I think I'm if I'm hearing what you say and I think for me it's I actually am persuaded that they're right to not approve of me. I, yeah. So it's a combination of the two. And that's what bothers me is I do want the approval of others, but when they don't, it it sinks my ship too much. Yeah. And it's and it um and I agree with them. I did fail and or I wasn't as cool as I could have been. And it's super embarrassing for Humbling. your spouse to sh- point out to you that you ran your mouth too much or you 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 know you responded the wrong way or you embarrassed them at a restaurant by by making a joke with a waitress or whatever and <laughs> okay quit telling me stories <laughs> you're not supposed to laugh so fast back then. well it just seemed like a really specific example well but you also <laughs> laughed like you knew what mom was talking about was I, was thought, I was thinking about that time my dad used to do that all anyway back <laughs> what i'm saying is that it's it's a form of not trusting that i'm okay with god i did mess up and I need to admit that. It's, but I long so much for the other person to to still think nice of me. And so it's not that I need other people's approval. I wouldn't say it that way. It's just that I'm so messed up when they don't approve. Yeah. I would never admit that I need their approval, but I kind of am upset that they don't. And so it's, it's the a, same thing. It's denying that we lost it all, honestly. I guess. Yeah. Because what I want to be true is that I'm not really that bad, you know? That's true too. And so if I, if, but if I, if I really internalize, I lost it all. When someone gives me some sort of hint that I'm not God's gift to humankind, that I say, yep, no, I'm not. Hmm. You know, I'm really not. I just. And I think I can even say those things. I'll do, I'll do, I'll respond the right way with my words. But later on in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and, and my soul is burning. And I need to give those over to Jesus better. Yeah. yeah. They're lies. It's hard. I mean, it's Why? a, it's a, yeah. because we are, we are prideful, self-justifying people. And we're relational. 
And so when a sinner doesn't love us, it still feels like we're not being loved and we, we hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of it's, um, and we live with sinners, right? So we shouldn't be surprised that other people can't meet our need. Maybe it's idolatry, right? Ultimately, yeah. I'm trying to. Get I want to be some, treated like God. I want somebody else to tr- to to be the source of my confirmation that I'm okay, instead of Jesus's promise that I'm okay. Yeah. Well, we're kind of running out of time, and it's been a good conversation. So I'm not. I don't think we'll enter into the conversation of the third one about avoiding sacrifice. And I, I do want to say of all three of the temptations, if I've understood them well, this is most particularly Jesus's heavier load. We don't have the same kind of mm-hmm. temptation. Because he took the sacrifice. Yeah, because in, in our case, the worst that can happen to us is him still being with us. But in his case, he knew the full cup of God's wrath included being abandoned. And he still did it for us. And so it was a, he, he is not only a faithful high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses and knows what it's like to be tempted. He's faced deeper ones than we ever will. And he also experienced my hell and I never will. And so he's not just up to my level. He's beyond my level of suffering. Yeah. How much more, if he's going to trust the Father, how much more should we? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, why don't you close in prayer for us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to be our great high priest who is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but recognizes and is familiar with what it's like to be human because he was human himself and that he loves us not with a esoteric, um, uh, you know, thin love, but like a deep, familiar love, and that he um, he loves us where we're at, and he take took great personal sacrifice to bring us into his family, and now we have the great benefit of being co-heirs with Christ, to be um, full sons and daughters of the King. We ask, Lord, that we understand that more today than we did yesterday and that we continue to grow in our knowledge of how deep and wide is the love of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our midweek sermon discussion. Uh, We hope you check out our website for more information about our sermons and other online resources. Thanks for listening and have a great week.